0: Is real.
1: power in your name.
0: see that's the sweet spot of spiritual leadership being well discipled trained and apprenticed and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because we all know people who've gotten filled with the Spirit and they've never been cared for or discipled and they're a flash in the pan, right? A lot of great stuff happens and they crash and burn and it's a calamity. So you want to be raised up, mentored, discipled, apprenticed, and you need the power of the Holy Spirit.
1: God has a distinct plan for each individual, one that will bless others and share His kingdom with the world. However, he's also given us great leaders to look up to, learn from, and be mentored by. Pastor Daniel today reminds us that we need each other to grow spiritually, but we also need the power of the Holy Spirit filling us up and guiding our steps. Both of these, when put together, will produce effective people of faith. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, Succession Plans.
0: People always say, oh, yeah, Ephesians 5, you know, Paul's such a sexist. Wives, submit to your husbands. I always laugh. when, Like, I literally start laughing hysterically when people say that stuff to me. And I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. So Ephesians 5 is anti-woman, right? So, so it says wives, submit to your husbands, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, you know what it says in the verse before that, right? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, it says submit to one another in the love of Christ. So first Paul says we all have to submit to each other. Then the next verse says, wives, submit to your husbands. So do what I said before. And then you go two to three verses down. And what does it tell husbands to do? Die for your wives. Yeah, so sexist, right? I always say, would you rather submit or die? I mean, which you choose one. Like, what are you going to choose? Like, okay, here's your option. I can either die or submit. I'll say, uh, submission, please. right, it's like one's worse than the other. See, the problem with the... The way our culture interprets Ephesians 5 is you have husbands who want their wives to submit without really loving them enough to give up their lives for them. And that becomes a problem. See, it's easy for a wife to submit. No, it's not easy because none of us are wired for submission, right? Let's let's get that out there. But when a wife knows that her husband has God's glory and her best interest in mind, there's a better chance of it happening if someone's following Jesus. But Let's be honest, submission is hard. Submitting to one another is hard. Submitting under authority is hard. I mean, we struggle with it in all of our pride. But when a man loves the Lord and loves his bride, there's a better chance of her saying, my submission is actually a healthy thing because he's got God's glory and my best interest at heart. But what happens is is that husbands don't want to follow Jesus. They don't want to die to themselves, and they don't want to love their wives more importantly than themselves. And then they say, well, I want you to submit to me because I just want to watch football all day. You know, and I just want you to do it. I was going to watch football because I'm a guy. And it's like, that's not, like, you're asking a woman to be biblical when you're not even close to trying to be biblical. And so, really, a wife's submission, she really submits to the Lord and her husband gets the benefit. And really, a husband dies to himself as under the Lord and his wife gets the benefit. So, really, what I always tell people is, in your marriages, don't do it for your spouse. Do it for the Lord and let your spouse get the benefit. That's the key people say, oh, the Bible's so sad. It's like, no, no, no. Like you look at every culture that has not been founded on the teachings of the Bible and look at the situation that women are in. You look at what's going on in the West. I mean, our culture was founded on biblical principles. It totally was. You look at Europe became brought into biblical principles over time but you look at countries where it's not, and you see a complete different situation. And so the fact that daughters get the inheritance, unheard of in ancient cultures, unheard of, but it's here. And so we have the succession planning in regards to land. Now, look at what happens in verse 12. It says, now the Lord said to Moses, go up into Mount Abraham and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. And when you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hallow me at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Mirabah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Now, what's interesting here is that the Lord invites Moses to go on up to this Mount Abraham. So he gets to go up onto this mountain, and he gets to see the promised land. Now, in Deuteronomy 34, we find it's called Mount Nebo, which was a specific peak in this range there. But Moses, remember, he was allowed to bring the children of Israel. He was the vehicle for them to leave Egypt. But he was not allowed to bring them into the promised land and they recount the fact that moses made a mistake he sinned at the waters of meribah remember the story moses had hit the end of his rope he had been faithful but he got really angry at the people and remember they were complaining once again it's a running theme after the exodus right the children of israel complained and you know and moses was like lord just kill me like just get me out of here like this is a mess But by and large, Moses was a faithful leader, but he had one moment where he completely misrepresented the heart of the Lord. When God said, I want you to speak to the rock and water will come forth. But Moses came out in front of the people and he yelled at the people, you rebels, shall we bring water out of this rock? And he struck the rock twice. Now, what's amazing is that the water still came out of the rock. But Moses had misrepresented God. Remember when we went through that, I was sharing with you about that, about how Moses actually ruined the picture that God was trying to paint for them. Do you remember? Back in the book of Exodus, they were thirsty and God told Moses, I want you to strike the rock. And water came forth. Now the second time he said, I want you to speak to the rock. Why? The rock is what? Jesus you find that in First Corinthians, the rock that followed him in the wilderness is Christ. right? Now think about it. If the rock is Jesus, wood in the Bible is a picture of what? The cross. And water in the Bible is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit. Think about it. When the wood hits the rock, water comes forth. It's a perfect picture of the death and resurrection and the pouring out of the spirit. But after the finished work of Jesus, the wood hitting the rock and water coming forth, does Jesus need to be crucified again? No. See, after it happened one time, if you need the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, what do you do? You ask. See, so Moses actually ruined the picture. And ultimately, God said, you're not allowed to go into the promised land. Now, what do we learn from that? One, sometimes one mistake will ruin everything. No fun, but someone's got to say it. Sometimes one mistake will really screw everything up. And we have to think through the things that we're doing. We have to. Because we are all one terrible decision away from literally train wrecking our lives. So we have to take ownership over our lives. So don't miss that. You, you know, some people are like, oh, I can't believe God would do that to Moses. Listen, Moses was on sheer grace anyway. But one decision, one bad decision can literally ruin your life. It can. It can. Second, God used Moses mightily, but Moses was always a flawed leader. Listen, the only not flawed leader is Jesus himself. Everybody else is fatally flawed. You're fatally flawed, I'm fatally flawed, everybody's fatally flawed. And we live in a culture that, When somebody shows their flaws, we just jump all over them and think as if anybody is perfect other than Jesus. See, Moses was flawed, but God used him mightily. And brother and sister, you are flawed and God would like to use you mightily. And we have to learn how to make sure our flaws do not shipwreck what God wants to do in our lives. We need to say, God, I if I am left up to my own devices, if I am not walking close with you, I am going to make decisions that are going to make my life not be as effective for the things that you want to do. And you need to say, God, I want you to keep me close because I am flawed and I am prone to wander and I am a train wreck waiting to happen, but I don't want my life to be a train wreck. I want my life to be as effective in seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ brought out into the public square through whatever giftings you've given me. And I want my life to mean something because I know that when soon this life has passed, only what I've done for Christ will last. And only that's going to push into eternity. So, Lord, I am flawed. And I don't want my flaws to hinder what it is that you want to do. And I believe that for some of you right now, you needed to hear that. You're flawed, yes. Except for Jesus, God only uses flawed people. That's how it works. That no flesh would glory in his presence. God chose Saul of Tarshish, who was a murderer and was persecuting the church. He's like, look, I want you to build the church. I want you to be the church's first church planter. And you can imagine, every time church Paul's planted church, he's got to be like, man, I used to kill these people. Now I'm trying to make them. And when God's doing something, you think Paul's ever like, yeah, man, I'm just so so gifted. Oh, yeah, man, I'm just God's gift to the ministry. Man, no, he's just like, I was a murderer. Like I persecuted the apostles, and now I'm one of them. See, God loves to redeem our issues and say, look, if you'll just follow me, I'll do something brand new. But listen, we're always flawed. You're always going to be flawed, except Jesus has forgiven your flaws. And the Holy Spirit does not mind taking up residence in your life, knowing that you're flawed. He knows that I'm flawed, but he's like, look, you're flawed, but... If you're in, let's do this. I'm looking to change the world. Who wants in? Who wants to join me? Moses was a flawed leader, but he was still a man of great faith. King David, a man after God's own heart. He was an adulterer. I mean, how many people did David kill in the Bible? Literally, he went foreskin hunting to get a bride. I mean, the guys just don't give you their foreskin, just straight up. You know what I mean? Like, you got to kill them to take that thing. You know, and so David was a warrior and like, it was a train wreck. Solomon, train wreck. Look at the apostles. You know what I mean? These guys couldn't get out of their way if they tried. But God uses them. So listen, when you see someone being flawed, don't judge them. Just pray for them. Talk to them. There isn't any perfect Christians except for Jesus. All the rest of us are being worked on. We're a work in progress. And I'm so grateful. God always says to me, I love you. He says, Daniel, I ain't finished with you yet. It's like a steady lesson that I get. And I tell people sometimes, I tell it to my kids. I just did it with Obadiah. I wasn't as patient with Obadiah as I could have been. And I was a little short with him. And he listened. And and I went up to him like, buddy, I'm so sorry. I was a little short with you. And he's like, yeah. (laughs) You got to love little kids. Yeah. And I'm like, buddy, God ain't done with me yet. He's like, you always say that. I'm like, well, it's always going to be true. God isn't done with me yet. Like, he's working on me. I'm a work in progress. And Lord willing, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus as time goes by and not less and less like Jesus. So be gracious with one another. For your bosses, pastors, we're going to make mistakes. That's why we believe in Jesus, because Jesus came to forgive our mistakes. So we make mistakes. We're all flawed. But you see here, Moses can't go in, but God's going to show it to him. It's kind of a powerful thing, isn't it? I want you to go up on this mountain. And I want you to look. You're going to be able to see. You're going to be able to see. But you're not going to be able to go in. Soon you're going to go home. You're going to die. You're going to be the last person to die in the wilderness before they go in. Look at what it says. In verse 15 then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, "Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shed a man over the congregation, who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd." And the Lord said to Moses, "Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him, Set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eliezer, the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At his word they shall go out and at his word they shall come in, he and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and set him before Eliezer, the priest, and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Now, in some ways, here we see that Moses really was a tremendous leader because he knows it's time to go And he's, you know, you can imagine if God said, okay, listen, it's time for you to go home. All the things you might say. But Moses says, Lord, I'm worried about the people. He cared about the people. And he said, Lord, can you please set a man? They need a leader. Someone who could go out and bring them out and bring them back in. That they may not be like a sheep without a shepherd. You guys know that phrase, right? Because Jesus lamented over the people. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. And when he says, I'm the good shepherd. He didn't want the people to not have a leader, not have someone to protect them. And I love what the Lord says because he says, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hands on him. I love this. See, You guys remember Joshua from the story because who was Joshua before he was standing right here? Joshua was Moses' apprentice. Joshua was the man who helped Moses at the tabernacle of meeting. Joshua was the man who worked under and rose up under Moses' ministry. Now, I want to talk to you young people for a second because I realize that in the younger generation, the word that we call it is called entitlement. You learned it from your parents. What it means is that you just think you should be the CEO and you've never worked a minute in your life. Like you think you should get an A because you went to class. doesn't matter if you do the papers. And all the studies show that the younger generation is entitled. If I do my best, you should give me the best grade, even if none of it makes any sense. Now, listen, the problem with that way of being is that the reason you can't lead well is because you don't know anything. And I hate saying that, but like You don't know anything. You've never done anything. You've never had to pay all your own bills. You've never had to work your way up. You've never had to learn how to persevere. Right? And the problem that you have right now is the younger generation. I'm not all that old. So I kind of see myself in that age group anyway, even though I'm not that young, but I'm kind of, I'm young looking, you know? And so I hope, you know? But what happens is, is that everybody wants to just, okay, so like I love Jesus. Now make me the pastor. I'm going to preach. And it's like, well, no. Because you have to learn how to be faithful with a little, right? And like what I love about Joshua, it doesn't just say Joshua's got the spirit. It's like he has the spirit, but he also watched Moses for years. Joshua was, remember when they sent out the 12 spies? Joshua was one of those guys. And Joshua came back and said, no, it's a good land." He proved himself to be faithful over time. And really what we need is we need All of us, young or old, to say, God, I'm going to be faithful right where I am. And I'm going to trust you that if I am faithful on the step that you give me, that you'll ask something else from me. And we should never think that we are entitled to something, but we simply say, God, I'm going to be faithful right where I am. And if you're single, you're a faithful single person. If you're married, you're a faithful spouse. And if you have a ministry that you've been entrusted, you do it with all your heart, with all your might. And then God will give you the next assignment at the right time. See, Joshua didn't just get stuck in there because he had the spirit. He got stuck in there because Joshua already knew what it took us. He watched Moses for years. He was at Moses' side. Remember when God told Moses, bring 70 people. I'm going to pour out my spirit on them. Remember there was a couple guys who were prophesying in the camp who weren't there? Joshua was like, Moses, they're prophesying in the camp. They weren't here. We need to stop them. And Moses was like, oh, Joshua, you got my back, bro. Thank you, but God's doing this. We can't mess with that. See, Joshua... Watched, was involved in all this stuff, and he was groomed to be able to take that step. And you find that Joshua is a pretty slamming leader, good leader. But leaders are built, they don't just pop up out of nowhere. Remember Moses? He was faithful to tending to his father in law's sheep in the Midian wilderness before God revealed himself to him and said, I want you to be the vehicle through which we deliver the people from Egypt. So listen, Joshua's got the spirit, but Joshua had also gone through all the steps to be raised up. So wherever you are right now, be there faithfully. Do it as unto the Lord. Learn how to abide and grow where you're planted and see what God will do. See what God will do. Because oftentimes what we do is we get somewhere. We don't really want to be there. We don't really want to be faithful. We just want to do something else. Listen, I'm so grateful because... As a pastor, I remember when I first felt called into pastoral ministry in it. And I, and I went up to, to a pastor, I said, man, I just feel called into pastoral ministry. What do I do? And the pastor looked at me in the and I says, be faithful right where you are. Don't, that will take care of itself. And he quoted the proverb, says, a man's gifts will make room for him and bring him before great men. He says, so listen, don't worry about the pastor. Just be faithful. Whatever is entrusted to you, do it well and do it unto well the Lord. And literally, like, I took that to heart. I'm like, okay, that's how this works. And anything that someone would give me, it's like, if I'm a greeter, I'm there 20 minutes early. I'm getting prayed up because I want to be the first smile that someone sees at church. And I'm excited about it. And it's like, oh, I'm going to be the guy on the camera. I'm there early. I got that thing dialed in. I'm ready to go because I'm the camera person. And if I'm the person putting labels on tape, I've told you about that cassette tapes we used to have. And literally, I was so... OCD about it that every label was perfect. I, was like, I had the perfect system, and I'd pray over every label. Lord, Your word's going to go on this tape, and I want Your word to have the maximum impact. And it was just like all the perfect. There were no crooked ones. So I'm like, that. to me, what's a faithful labeler on a tape? It's like it's, it looks good; it doesn't look crooked. Like someone doesn't care about what's on there. And literally, I just took that. I'm going to be faithful. And then someone was like, "Oh, you should teach a Bible study." And I'm like, "Okay." And I studied like a maniac, like 100 hours to teach for 30 minutes. I'm sure the message wasn't good at all, but it was like, and I don't do it to pat myself on the back. I just had someone give me great counsel, the counsel I'm giving you right now. Just be faithful. Be faithful right where you are and let God do what he wants to do. Don't think that if you're not faithful and you do everything halfway that God's going to give you greater assignments Because if you're not faithful in the little thing, you're going to be not faithful in the bigger thing, and you're going to make a bigger mess. So it's about learning faithfulness, learning to honor God where we are. And Joshua did that. Joshua was an awesome assistant to Moses. And now it's time, and the Spirit of God is in him. See, that's the sweet spot of spiritual leadership, being well-discipled, trained, and apprenticed. And the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because we all know people who've gotten filled with the Spirit. And they've never been cared for or discipled. And they're a flash in the pan, right? A lot of great stuff happens and they crash and burn. And it's a calamity. So you want to be raised up, mentored, discipled, apprenticed. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's both of them. Not either or. And we live in a day and age where you can get a lot of training, but if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom, and the power of God, you don't have a whole lot no matter how well trained you've been. So you want both that training and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, so Joshua's chosen. He's brought before Eliezer and all the congregation, and literally it's Moses's job to inaugurate, to put forward Joshua. Literally what God is asking Moses to do, before he gets to go up and see the promised land, he's saying, look, I want all the congregation to know that Joshua is their next leader. You bring him before Eliezer, we're going to inaugurate him as the next leader. And you know, for those of you who have leadership, eldership, always make sure that you never leave whatever you're doing as a sheep without a shepherd.
1: As Moses' life came to a close, we learned that his heart was still for the Israelites as he didn't want to leave them without a leader. Pastor Daniel showed us today how God was already ahead of Moses, grooming the next leader long
0: before he was appointed. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Daniel. Have you ever asked yourself, what is this life really all about? How shall I live? See, these are life's most important questions. Jesus invites us to follow him on a journey of discovering the art of living and he gives us the answers to these questions. I'm stoked to share with you my newly released book where you can learn how to live an abundant life by living upward, inward, and outward through loving God and loving yourself and loving others. I will unpack the keys to a life that overflows with blessing. So here's Josh with some more information.
1: Thanks, Pastor Daniel. This is exciting news. Pastor Daniel's new book, Upward, Inward, and Outward, is not currently available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere else. Pastor Daniel would like to offer a special pre-released signed copy of his book, Upward, Inward, and Outward, to anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more. Simply visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner from the main menu. There you can give your gift. And again, as a thank you, we will send you a special pre-released signed copy of Pastor Daniel's upcoming book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel revisits the offerings the people of Israel were to make. He'll also remind us why these sacrifices were significant at the time and how studying them has an impact on our lives today. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.